0: Whenever the kids would get toys, we'd put them in the barn after they're done playing with them and never got rid of anything. Saturday, we started at 9 o'clock, actually 8 o'clock in the morning until 3 o'clock, selling $1,000 memories for $2 a piece. And that's tough if you've ever done something like that. And we're selling our house. It's supposed to close Friday. It's going to get pushed off for another week, probably. Uh, And we're leaving all of that stuff behind. It's very emotional. Five-hour drive here, and I stepped into your house. And I sat on the couch and cried, thanking God. It was in your sermon this morning. And when you were at that point in your sermon where you give because people are going to thank God. And I, I cried on the couch, thanking God for that house. It's nicer than anything I've ever had. Uh, I have a smartphone, never had a smart house. But praise the Lord, and I, I thank you for giving And doing that, it has been such a blessing. I only get to spend two nights there, but it's been such a blessing, uh, an immeasurable blessing uh, to us to find peace and and rest in that. Let's stand together in the book of Ezekiel. Ezekiel chapter 47, we're going to read the first uh, eight verses, nine verses. Ezekiel chapter 47, we'll read the first nine verses together. Afterward, hang on, I can't see it. I can see you, but I can't see the words. Uh, Ezekiel 47, "...afterwards he brought me again unto the door of the house, and behold, waters issued out from under the threshold of the house eastward. For the forefront of the house stood toward the east, and the waters came down from under the right side of the house at the south side of the altar. Then brought he me out of the way of the gate northward, and led me about the way without unto the utter gate, by the way that looketh eastward. And behold, there ran out waters on the right side." And when the man that had the line in his hand went forth eastward, he measured a thousand cubits, and he brought me through the waters. The waters were to the ankles. Again he measured a thousand, and he brought me through the waters. The waters were to the knees. Again he measured a thousand, and brought me through. The waters were to the loins. Afterward he measured a thousand, and it was a river that I could not pass over. For the waters were risen, waters to swim in, a river that could not be passed over. And he said unto me, Son of man, hast thou seen this? Then he brought me and caused me to return to the brink of the river. Now when I had returned, behold, at the bank of the river were very many trees on the one side and on the other. Then said he unto me, These waters issue out toward the east country, and go down into the desert, and go into the sea, which being brought forth into the sea, the waters shall be healed. And it shall come to pass that everything that liveth, which moveth, moveth, whithersoever the river shall come shall live. And there shall be a very great multitude of fish, because these waters shall come thither, For they shall be healed and everything shall live whither the river cometh. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father in heaven, I thank you and I give you praise and glory for your great mighty hand and for your scriptures which you've given us. And I thank you for this church and their love for you and their love for missionaries, their love for their pastor, their love for the lost world. And I pray, Father, that your blessings might be poured out upon them. Right now, Lord, we pray you would bless your word with the presence of your Holy Spirit in our hearts. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Ezekiel chapter 47 is, is a beautiful passage of Scripture, but I'm going to share something with you. This passage doesn't start in 47. You'd actually need to go all the way to chapter 40 and the vision that Ezekiel is having of the angel of the Lord bringing him through the temple and it goes through the instruments and it goes through the sacrifices and the purposes uh, and I was asked once many years back, and it's a little feather in my cap. I was asked to teach an online Bible class, and they were going to record me, and, and I was going to teach these classes, going to be on the internet. And I don't know how many people—probably five—would actually watch them. And I said, I, I told this brother, brother Shannon Eaton down in Fort Worth, Texas. I said, "Let me pray about it." I said, "But I'd like to be more specific. What, what, what do you want me to teach?" He said, "Well, can you do the Book of Ezekiel?" I said, "I don't need to pray about that." No. That's a tough book. Have you gone through it? Have you studied it? Uh, I beat my head against the wall. I actually wrote a paper on it once and have no clue what it was about. That's the wonderful thing about Bible college, you know. know. (laughs) Plagiarism. No, no, no. It wasn't that bad. I didn't do that. But I could have because... Bible college I went to I was hip to the internet and searches and everything and they weren't, you know. But lo and behold, there's no papers I know of out there on the internet you could download and turn in. But Ezekiel is it's an interesting book. It's a prophetic book and it's it's a book full of pictures. Okay, some people are visual learners and you probably got this as you've studied the temple and the uh, Jerusalem and all the gates and the 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 you got that right visually. You just walk through with him. If you did, you're better than I am. I'm going to have to go and brush up on that maybe someday. There's a few things I do want to take out of this. The Old Testament is full of pictures that apply to us today. And we can look in Ezekiel. We don't do sacrifices, do we? We don't do the gates. But we do water, right? This water stands for something. And I'm going to find what it stands for down in verse 9. It shall come to pass that everything that liveth, which moveth, whithersoever the river shall come, shall Live, okay? This river issues out of the throne room of God, and it moves, and everything it touches lives. What could that be but the Holy Spirit of God? Okay? We sing a song, I've got a river of life flowing out of me. If you're a very literal person, you kind of look down at your chest and, where's it coming? (laughs) No, no river coming out of my chest. Spring up a well? Uh Uh-uh, we don't want that to happen. Don't go there. This river of life is the Holy Spirit of God. Whatever the Holy Spirit of God touches, it lives. It is the power of God. Now, positionally, tonight, I want you to think about how the Holy Spirit of God works in your life. Okay? And there's something else I want you to see, because Ezekiel doesn't just go on this vision trip. He has... An angel of the Lord bringing him. This angel of the Lord is a, also a picture of God guiding him through the temple. And teaching and instructing him the different purposes. And I, I want you to look in, we're going to go down and we're going to look in verse uh, 2. It says, Then brought he me out of the way of the gate northward and led me about the way. What does God do in our lives but lead us? Right? God leads us. Uh, I had a man at our church in John Day. His name was Ivan Porfili. Uh, His dad was from Italy. And and he shared this story with me. I I knew everything about sheep that there was. And so I got up and I I preached a sermon out of the 23rd Psalm talking about how dumb sheep are. He pulled me aside. 72-year-old man says, preacher, sheep aren't dumb. Yes, sir. You know, I I took my, my brotherly scolding. He was a deacon, and so I got to listen to the deacon, right, you know. And uh, he, told, he told me a story. He says, my dad, back when he was in Italy, there were seven shepherds in the village and they had all their sheep in pens and they would get out in the morning and they would open the pens up and the sheep would go out and they would all go up into the mountains and graze all day long. And I'm thinking, yeah, it sounds, it sounds pretty dumb so far, but, you know, <laughs> they're sheep. He said at night they would come in and the shepherds would go and they would open their gate and they would stand beside the open gate and they would just talk. Just talk. He said some of them would sing And the sheep always went in the right gate. They didn't use dogs. They just led the sheep, and the sheep always went in the right gate. The sheep never got mixed up, ever. It's like, okay, now it makes sense. In John chapter 10, Jesus said, My sheep know my voice, and they follow me. Amen? Do you know the voice of God? Does God lead you? I almost got in trouble once. The preacher asked me later, he says, do you believe God speaks to you in an audible voice? He's said, like, not audible. He speaks to me through my conscience, through my heart. How else did you get saved without the Holy Spirit of God impressing upon your heart your need for salvation, convicting you of sin? Remember that voice? That was God. Learn the voice of God because He leads I know this because we've got hymns in the hymn book that say, he leadeth me, O blessed thought. You know, wherever he leads off, no, I don't get my theology from hymn books. The theology in those hymns came from the Bible because God leads us. And we have a picture here of God leading the prophet Ezekiel. And he's leading him into something. It says here in verse uh, three, and when the man that had the line in his hand went forth eastward, he measured a thousand cubits and he brought me through the waters the waters were to the ankles. I have a few positions I want to share with you tonight, and I'm going to kind of share them with you quickly. And my wife says, that means you've got to cut out the illustrations. She doesn't do that to me. I just, in my head, she does. <laughs> positions. We've got the Holy Spirit of God. We've got being led into the Holy Spirit of God because that's the river that we're going into is the Holy Spirit of God. God is leading us into the Spirit of God. Now, this almost doesn't sound like a Baptist sermon, does it? In the Dominican Republic... They have the, the Haitian voodoo, it's not just Haitian, we got it in America too. The the voodoo practices, and they cannot tell the difference between a voodoo gathering and a Pentecostal gathering. Because they get together, they use the same music, the same rhythms, the same chants, inviting in the Spirit, and it's not the same spirit. Let me tell you that brings some confusion, but God leads us into his spirit. I know this because I can turn over to the book of Ephesians in chapter 5. Uh, And it says, be not drunk with wine wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. That's what we're talking about here in the book of Ezekiel. Okay, but instead of being filled with the Spirit, he's given us the picture of being out in the Spirit. Positions. The Bible is also positions. If you're looking at a picture, you look at where people are standing, right? And and you've got all sorts of missionary cards back there, and I love them. And, And as we took our personal pictures, okay, where are people standing? You notice I'm in the back. To hide my belly. Positions are important. I, I, I got a beard to hide the double chin. A lady told me once, I don't trust people with beards. They're hiding something. I said, yes, ma'am. She says, I knew it. said, so I'm hiding my double chin. I, went, I shaved it once and my daughter's like, no, grow it back, dad. Positions. There are some positions here. We have the position. I'm going to start with the last position uh, in verse... I believe it's verse 6. Nope, yes, verse 6. And he said unto me, Son of man, hast thou seen this? Then he brought me and caused me to return to the brink of the river. Position number one is the brink of the river because that's where he started. He started on the brink of the river. Position number two is he brought me through the river. It's about 1,500 feet, 1,000 cubits, about. Nobody really knows how long a cubit is. I'm going 18 inches. It's about 1,500 feet, The, the... The angel brings him through the waters 1,500 feet and the water is only up to his ankles. I'm sorry, I meant to look up the rivers in the local area. I actually, my house that I'm selling is on a river across a two-lane road and boom, you're in the river. So I'm going to use that as an example. When I go out in the river, I do not go 1,500 feet. My river's not that big. Okay, we're looking at something bigger than Mississippi. This thing is, is a huge river. But what do we know about rivers? Rivers... When you are ankle deep in the water, can you feel the current? Ankle deep is where we put the children, right? Before they learn to swim, they may still be in diapers. And if you don't put that sealy diaper on, the diapers get big in the water. That's where we put the babies because it's a safe spot. Let me tell you something. Right here, two positions the bank is the lost person. Why? Because he's not touching the water, and everything that touches the water is brought to life. The lost person's on the bank. The saved person is a babe in Christ, and they're in the water where babies go. Some of you may be afraid of water. I don't know how you take showers or baths if you're afraid of water, but okay, Most people are okay ankle deep. I know people, uh, some of my own children when they're little, the ocean, the waves coming in, they want to stay away from that. But a river on the bank is usually kind of calm. You go ankle deep, that's where you put the children. So the first position is the lost person. The second position is the saved person. We're going to call them a babe in Christ. Sound familiar? Same terminology Paul used in the book of Corinthians. Okay? Let's go on though. He measured out another 1,500 cubits. In verse 4, again, he measured 1,000. And he brought me through the waters. The waters were to the knees. Each one of these, he brought me through. I didn't go of my own volition. He brought me through. God doesn't want to leave you in the shallow water. He doesn't want to leave you a babe in Christ. He, as babes, we desire the sincere milk of the word, but he wants us to grow up and get some meat. You know, we don't live up growing on milk all of our life. We need meat. We need vegetables. Not as much as I want meat. Okay, that's just me, though. If you're a vegetarian, that's okay. Again, he measured a thousand. He brought me through the waters. Positional. The waters are to the knees. In my river, I go about this far, and the water's to my knees. Mainly because I sank in the mud. I'm going to assume that this is a rocky ground, okay, So we've got some stability in the bottom of this river, but my river's not such that way. That and I'm in the tidal zone. I'm close to the ocean, so it goes up and down, flows two different directions. It's disconcerting. <laughs> to the knees. What happens when you're at the knees? Well, now you've taken the next step in your walk with Christ. If you're here tonight and you're saved, you've been in the water. You are in the water. You've got contact with the Spirit. You're made alive. The Bible says he hath quickened us or made us alive. I love that. Because if I was dead, I'm dead in trespasses and sin. Now he's made me alive. Amen? What's the next step? I don't have a list, a checkoff list that says, okay, you're a babe in Christ, you're into the ankles, that's this is what exactly that means. I think it means you're saved. And you can get in, and you could splash in the water, and you could play, and you can giggle. But at the ankles, you're looking at what everybody else is doing. By the way, if you're on the bank, and you're here tonight, and you're lost, you can see everything that's going on around you. You can see the Holy Spirit move in other people's lives. You can see other people take steps in their walk with Christ. But you're on the bank, and you have no part of it. It's like going to a beach party and you don't want to get wet. Come on, get in the water. Let the Holy Spirit lead you to salvation. That's the first call he gives to anyone. The knees, though, the knees, you, to me, the knees, you don't have to bend over so far to splash your brother and sister. Amen. The knees is a more fun to play in, right? Now, me, I'm a certified scuba diver. That's not good enough. You know, if the water's cold, I, I might only go up to ankles. Uh, the, the coast, you know, if you've been over to the ocean, it, it's cold. That's wetsuit time. But the knees, you're starting to play. You're, you're getting into the water. You're getting into a little bit more experiences. Maybe this is where you're, you're going to church more. You're doing Bible studies. You're going to a ladies' meeting. You're going to a men's meeting. You're getting more active. You're going to bring something to dinner at the potluck. Amen? We're Baptists. We eat. So you're going to get a little bit more involved because God is leading you to be a little bit more involved. The next step, as we find, uh, after he brought me through the waters to the knees at the second half of verse 4, again, he measured a 1,000 and brought me through the waters. We're to the loins. Now we're up to the waist. We're getting into it, aren't we? Okay, what happens? If you've ever been fly fishing out in the river, you know when you get out to the waist, you're starting to feel the current. One of the things you might do is spread those legs out a little bit So you can keep on your feet. Amen. Also, you're closer to the fish. You're closer to the actions. You're starting to feel the power of God in your life. Those of you who have been out to the loins, I see some grins on your faces. You know what I'm talking about. Because it's fun out there. I'm not talking about splashing around. I'm starting to talk about really starting to experience and feel the power of God moving in your life. What does that look like? I don't know, but maybe we can put on that list... Teaching a Sunday school class, going on visitation, personal soul winning, you know, uh, handing out tracts might be up to the knees, but actually talking to somebody about Jesus with a sincere one-on-one conversation might be up to the loins, okay? Now, pastor, I don't know where is faith promise giving. I don't know if that's at the ankles, knees, or loins, but I know it's got to be in one of those three because I don't think, I think God takes us to that point long before we get to verse 5. Afterward, he measured a thousand, and it was a river that I could not pass over. For the waters were risen, waters to swim in, a river that could not be passed over. If you're afraid of water, that is scary. If you are a control, control freak like me, I like to be in control. Ask my wife how many of those 15,000 miles she drove and not me. Okay, now when I get tired, I let her drive. But if I'm not tired, I'm driving. Why? Because if it's going to wreck, it's going to be my fault. It hasn't happened. Not because of my driving. Okay, it's because God's protection. Because a lot of truckers out there are watching on their cell phones the whole way. And that's unnerving. But when you get in over your head with the Holy Spirit of God, you have no control. How many of y'all want to be in that place? If you know how you get there, it's exciting. If you know what happens when you get there, it's even more exciting. And we always expect our pastors to be there 24 hours a day. Y'all are quiet because you know it's true. You expect that of your spiritual leaders in your life. I'm on this Facebook group called Everything Lost Theranus. I do not recommend you get on that group. It's kind of depressing. Because what you're going to find is you're going to find this woman that advertises every now and then. She and her husband have just moved there and she is a spiritual coach, guide, and medium. Okay? And she is offering her services to give your house a new aura and cast out the evil feelings around it and change your life i'm going to advertise when i get down there as a life coach isn't that what a pastor is a spiritual guide isn't that what a pastor is i'm not going to say i'm leaving the medium part out because mediums especially in pizzas that's just too small God wants us in over our heads. Now, I'm not going to stand up here and tell you that each and every one of you tonight should be so surrendered to God that tonight you need to be in over your head. You know why? Because I'm not God. God is the one that leads us out into the water, remember? We've got to go back to that. God is the one. He brought me through the waters, and the waters were at this level. God knows you. God knows you better than your pastor knows you. God knows you better than your spouse knows you. Here's one I, I don't like to admit. God knows me better than I know me. He knows my weaknesses that I don't want to admit I even have. God knows me, and He is going to guide me and lead me, and He's going to guide you and lead you. For all of my life. I' put missionaries up here on a pedestal, and, and I love missionaries. And as your pastor, we have a kindred spirit in our love for missionaries, but now God's called me to be a missionary, and I don't think much of them anymore. No, I'm (laughs) I'm just kidding. We follow God's leadership. It's just the fact that God has led us somewhere else to do the same thing you're supposed to be doing in your community. Okay? The job of a missionary church planner is no different Than you as church members. Go ye therefore and be witnesses unto me. Where? First, at home. And God is the one that leads us into that. Has God called each and every one of you to be in the choir? No, He hasn't. He may be calling you to be in the choir. I don't know. That's God's business, not mine. Is God leading you to teach a Sunday school class? Maybe. Maybe not. That's not my business. What I want to do tonight is to encourage you to follow the leadership of God. You're you're dealing with your faith promise or, or grace giving, you've got some decisions. And you know what God did? God gave you an extra hour to pray about it before next Sunday. Who but God can do that? I think the state of Washington, I know the state of Oregon doesn't want that. They want to stay on daylight savings forever so we never get that extra hour. I like the extra hour. I don't like losing it, but I like to get it back. It's like that deposit on soda cans. What does God want from your life? Let's go back to the bank, because that's where he did. He came back to the bank. In verse 6, and he said unto me, Son of man, hast thou seen this? Let me ask you something. Have you seen this? Have you seen it? I've been in education for over 20 years, not just as a pastor, but working for school districts and as a teacher on, on occasions. And I know people learn things differently. And we use keywords. And, you, and you, can learn how, you, you can figure out how somebody learns. If they say, do you understand? You know, they're talking about an internal consciousness of, of comprehending something. And those people are just different. If they say, are you hearing me? Do you hear me? Well, those people tend to be more auditory learners. Are you seeing this? Those t- people tend to be a little bit visual. But what God has done for us through the living scriptures is he has given us a textile function of water. He's given us a visual picture of the temple and the river. And he's bringing a cognitive consciousness to us about what the Holy Spirit of God does in our lives. Have you seen this? Or as I've heard some people say, are you getting it? Now, what does God want from you? I don't know. But I do know one thing. If you are on the bank of the river, God wants you to get saved. I've known people in their 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s, made a profession of faith when they were a teenager because it was the hip, cool thing to do back when they used the words hip and cool. And they put on a good face, they come to church, they tithe, they give. They may even teach a Sunday school class, but they never got into the water. They never confessed they were a sinner and received God's free gift of salvation. So let me ask you, was there a time in your life when the Holy Spirit of God brought you to the edge of the water and said, come on in and get saved? Has He done that for you? The Bible tells us in 2 Peter chapter 3, God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. I believe God calls every human being to salvation one way or another. And if you've been in this church at all, or picked up a track and read it at all, you've been exposed to the gospel of Jesus Christ And I believe the Holy Spirit of God works on that. In Sunday school this morning, I asked the question, how many of you got saved the first time you heard the gospel? And nobody put their hand up that I saw. God works in our hearts to draw us and to lead us to salvation. Is that you tonight? Do you need to get saved? Do you need to get into the water? Say, preacher, got that taken care of. I'm in the water. Okay, great. You're in the water. Ankle deep, knee deep, waist deep. I don't know how deep you are, but is God leading you further? Is God leading you further? Brother, as a pastor, I hate preaching on money. Just me. Now as a missionary, I hate to listen to somebody preach about money. It's just the self-consciousness about it. But, you've got some decisions to make. And let me tell you, some of the most difficult decisions I've ever made have been about money. And some of the decisions that I've made and my wife have made together, we have to put each other in check. And we'll say, okay, is this decision based on money or something else? Because if I'm basing a decision on money, I'm probably going to make the wrong choice. If I'm basing it on the leadership of the Holy Spirit of God in my life, let's go. Let's go. Because I'm claiming God's promises. My God shall supply all my need according to His riches and glory. And when I come to churches, yes, on deputation, the missionary is here and he's he's looking for support. Okay, that's understood. I'm not asking for support. I'm asking God to supply my needs through his riches. Because when you give, you're giving to God. It's his money. All I'm asking him to do is move some of his resources around so I can do what he's called me to do. That's what it is what does God want from you is God asking you to give is he asking you to get saved is he asking you to make that next step in your walk with Christ See, preacher God doesn't speak to me the way he speaks to you I get that okay I know his voice and I can't explain to you what it sounds like I've gone, I remember going through the Bible as a child and as a teenager. Lord, what do you want from my life? I guess I need to know what you sound like in order for that. So, is it the sound of a mighty rushing wind, a babbling brook, many waters, a still small voice? How does God speak to you? And then I found out something else. Mothers are great at teaching things to their adult children. Especially when their adult child is their pastor. I'm preaching on fear, and I'm, I'm saying that it's, it's a motivation to get saved because you're afraid of hell, you're afraid of the punishment. And my mom comes up to me after the service, shakes my hand in her dear eyes, looks up at me because she's, she's short. She looks up at me and she says, Son, I didn't get saved because I was afraid. And I'm like, is my mom saved? Hmm. My mom's dad died when she was three years old. She went through life until she was 11 without a father. And when she was at a Baptist church in Ashland, Kentucky at 11 years old, God said, I'll be your father. And my mom got saved. That's not my experience. It may not be your experience. I'm kind of like my dad. I was scared of hell. I did not want to go there. But why did you get saved? Did you get saved because the love of God drew you? Did you get saved because of fear? Did you get saved because, you know, you just got called by the Holy Spirit of God, this is what needs to happen. I don't know. But are you saved? Are you saved? I want you to stand together with your heads bowed and your eyes closed.